0: Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. As always, before I even start saying anything else, I just want to let you all know there's some major construction going on to the road that I live on. So you might hear a little bit of construction noise in this podcast. And I tried to shut the windows. It's not really helping. So I just want to put that out there right now that I apologize for that. But I tried to wait A little bit and it looks like they're going to be here all day. So we're just going to do it and I'm going to talk louder and maybe you won't hear it. But let's move into today's episode. We are having the last round of the Keto Hot Seat episodes before I start a new round asking for more questions. So Please be on the lookout if you submitted a question and it did not get answered, then you will want to submit that again when I ask for questions coming up. If you have a question, since I've started the Keto Hot Seat, this is the best place to get your question answered on the show. So please be on the lookout for that. If you're not familiar with how I even get these questions, let me just tell you, I will post on my social media channels, so both Instagram and Facebook an announcement, I guess we'll call it, for questions for the Keto Hot Sea episodes. So that will be coming up in the next few weeks. Be on the lookout. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and or Facebook at Sean Minor and Sean Minor Health on Facebook. Find those, follow my page, follow my feed, and you will see that come up. I will also make an announcement on my Instagram story and my Facebook story that that is the day to ask your question as well. So if you don't see the feed, maybe you'll see the story as long as you are watching those as well, and you'll know. This time I am going to put a cap on the number of questions I will answer just so that because I was kind of looking and didn't realize that these questions I'm answering today I've had on the docket since May. So I need to be able to get through these quicker so that we can keep everything up to speed. So I will be taking a limited number of questions that I will do probably over the course of a month or so. I will answer on these keto hot seat episodes before I ask for more. just keep everything rolling nice and smoothly. So please be on the lookout for that. But today I'm answering those last few questions that I got in May. So hopefully you're still around. If you are someone that had this question and you are going to finally get your answer only three months later, I really apologize for that. I didn't know how popular these little keto hot seats would be. So now that I know we're going to switch things up a little bit and put that cap on it. So you'll want to really be on the lookout for that post if you have a question to be answered. Before we do that, just a few quick things. If you're listening to this podcast, when it airs, you may still have a chance to catch my Keto for Hormones webinar that's coming up today. If you're listening to this on the day that it airs, which I know most of you don't, but (laughs) that's okay. If you do, you can still catch that live. It's at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you register. I will put the link to register in the show notes to this so you can grab that and get your spot. Now, here's the thing. I have found a way To be able to still get that recording to people if they register late. So, if you are listening to this a few days after this show airs, then you are still able to go in, follow that link that's in the show notes, and you can register past the registration time, I guess, and you will automatically be sent a link to your recording of that webinar. So that's really cool too. If you did happen to miss it, you can try again, no worries. And so just follow that link in the show notes to grab that and you can watch it whenever is best for you. You just won't be able to ask live questions, but that's okay. You can still see my face and listen to my voice and see all the good stuff that I have on those slides that I'll be using for that webinar. This is also the last episode you will hear before we enroll for the final class of the Fat-Burning Female Project of 2018. So September, once again, I've said this a few times, just a reminder, September is the last opportunity to become a fat-burning female in the project Before it's 2019. So last time of the year. And in 2019, I am doing some modifications to the course in this time. And it will have a price increase come January 2019. So last time of the year and last time at this current price point. So if you do want to be a fat burning female, now is a really good opportunity. And the cool thing is that if you join now, you still get all the updates that will be taking place before that price increase hits in January. So you'll still get all the goodies just at the lower price point. So maybe a good idea if you're interested. Again, you can go to the link in the show notes and head over to Fat-Burning Female Project homepage, get yourself on the email list so that you get notified the second that enrollment opens because it is will sell out 100% guaranteed of that because it is the last time. So best chance to get your spot would be to get on that email list so that you get an email from me when enrollment opens on the 4th, which I don't think I even said that yet. September 4th is the Enrollment of the Fat-Burning Female Project, one-day enrollment. We start class September 10th, so that following Monday, and you will get course materials that Friday. So it's all a very quick turnaround process, but if you're ready to start, let's do it together. I'm happy to help you. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to hear more, I did discuss the Fat-Burning Female Project in a lot greater detail way back in episode 20, I believe. So the first half of episode 20 is talking about who is good for the Fat-Burning Female Project and who is not good for the Fat-Burning Female Project. You can also head over to that homepage, bit.ly slash project. And you can see a little video from me and read more about the course and see some testimonials and all that good stuff and decide if it's right for you or not. And I'm happy to help you if it is. I think that is it. All those little announcements, I think we're caught up, which is great because that gives us lots of time to get through these questions so that everyone has their answers from three months ago (laughs) so we can move on. Okay. Before, as always, I get started with these questions, just my little disclaimer that I need to make sure everybody remembers all the time that the Keto Hot Seat editions are basically me taking very short, very concise questions from the listeners and giving my best answer on the spot. I have not looked at them. I do not look at them. I don't prep before. I just give my honest advice or knowledge or say I don't know. It totally depends on the question and I'm happy to say if I don't know or maybe I have another place where you could look or maybe I don't even know that. So I just want to be very frank in telling you that I'm not going to try to come up with an answer if I don't have one. And it is on the spot, but I really think that that actually provides you the best answer I can give when I just have to kind of come up with it without even prepping. So what I actually can give as my advice and opinion and all that good stuff. Okay? So that's what we're doing here today and in all Keto Hot Seat episodes. Now, we are also getting to the point where there are a lot of repeated questions. If that's the case, then I'm just going to tell you to go back and listen again because we really want to get into some new stuff here on Keto for Women and dive deeper into some things we haven't talked about. So that will give us the chance to do so. All right, here we go. Let's get through as many of these as we possibly can. First one, what do you recommend when someone has all the knowledge about keto but can't seem to get started and stay consistent? Ooh, this one got a lot of likes and loves, so I think we need to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, I think this is actually really common in the keto community, especially because there's so much... Information out there that you can like study keto all you want, but then when it actually comes down to doing it, there's a disconnect. So I think there's a couple things to think about, and really they all tie back into your mental space. So, like, you're not buying the right foods, or you don't have the willpower, or you go out to too many social events, and that's why you can't stick with keto. There's something else going on in your head. There's some sort of mindset shift that hasn't yet been made. And a lot of times it is something that is much, much deeper than you even realize. Like it could be something back from your childhood or something that's just like been super suppressed or something that you don't think relates to your diet, but it is actually keeping you stuck. Like something your relationship or with your work or something like that. But it is also translating into your desire to get healthy. It's kind of blocking that desire or keeping you in this state of like sabotaging yourself or talking yourself out of it just because you want to stress eat or emotional eat or something like that. I mean... We could get so deep into the reasons why this happens. And I actually have a guest coming on in a few weeks that we will talk about this and get a little deeper into the mindset and the emotional reasons why we might sabotage ourselves. So I won't do that here because I'm not the expert, but I do know an expert. But I can say that I think it's really time for anyone who is in this position, and I know there's a lot of you, if you can't stick with something that you know is healthy and building health for yourself, building future health for yourself and getting you into this really good place, I think it's time for you to start digging a little bit deeper into your mental and emotional space and really see what maybe you have going on that you haven't dealt with yet. Like maybe there is something that is making you almost feel like you shouldn't be happy or you can't be happy or you don't deserve to be happy and healthy or just, I mean, the things that we tell ourselves in our heads, the list goes on of all these things that maybe we don't deserve or we don't feel worthy of. And health and happiness are huge pieces of that. And so there may be a reason why that's happening to you, why you are kind of not able to tap into that ability to keep yourself there. So I know it seems really, perhaps for some people, like totally disconnected to keto and changing your diet and sticking with it. But from what I've seen in working with so many women and learning more about the whole mindset piece, how that plays a part in everything we do and everything we don't do for ourselves, I think not enough of us are looking as deeply into that as we should. So that's what I would say is really start maybe more of a mindset, mental health journey, For yourself, if you are struggling to stick with something that you know is good for you, and that could be anything, you know, but if you are kind of in this place, I keep using the word sabotage, maybe it's not that for you, but there is most likely something that's keeping you from feeling like you're worth it or like you deserve to do this for yourself. So yeah, it's a very shallow answer to something that I think is quite deeper for a lot of you. But I hope that at least gives you a little bit of momentum to start going there. And so I'll say that. And I think that that involves meditation. I think that could involve talking to a therapist. I don't think nearly enough people are going to see therapists that need it. It's going to be a lot to do with self care and self love. And we've talked about that quite a bit on the last few episodes of the podcast. So it's going to be actually putting that stuff into action and taking it seriously and seeing what you can come up with when you start doing that mental health work that so many of us need to do. Just a really, as a quick tip, just something really easy to try because I know that that's very intense. and I do want you all to do that if that is something that you're struggling with. I do want you all to go there. But in the interim, another really good, easy place to start, and we talked about this last week is that bigger why. So continue to go back to your bigger why and remember what it is that you're here to do and what you're trying to use keto to bring you. And of course, it's not just weight loss. We've talked about that a hundred times it's not fitting into a you know your jeans from high school it's finding that really big purpose that real reason like what you want to feel how you want to move and really using that really making a huge connection with that purpose and almost to the point where you know i think a good technique to use would be to like almost meditate on that so say for instance you currently cannot play with your grandkids in the way that you want to play with your grandkids. And so using a ketogenic diet to get rid of your inflammation so that maybe your joints don't hurt as much and you can move freer, something like that, which would then lead to you being able to play with your grandkids more. So get to the point find a place in your mind. So this is why I say meditation, because a lot of times it takes getting into a more of a meditative state to where you can visualize how that would feel when you already were there. So when you're out playing with your grandkids and you're free of pain and you can move as quick as they can, you can chase them down and play baseball and all that stuff that you want to play with them. How will that feel? Like, what will that bring you? What emotion does that bring up? Just really visualize yourself there. And so it is kind of a meditation in that time because you really, truly have to bring yourself into that moment, which means you can't be thinking about all the other stuff you have to do for the day. You're just really there in that moment of what you really, truly want. And so I think that is, you know, of course, we're getting into this more of like a woo-woo place that I do truly believe and I don't talk much about here on Keto for Women, but that may change soon if I get enough interest. But I do really believe that bringing yourself to that point and feeling that will really help you continue on that journey and really help you envision that end goal. Because I think a lot of times the reason why we can't stick with something is because it just seems like the goal is so far away. So it's like, eh, what the heck is another weekend? Who cares? But it brings you that goal closer, it brings that goal more alive, I guess, and will give you a really good starting place to continue to work on this journey, to continue to see what it is you truly want. So I say those two things, you can do this immediately right now, right when you're done listening to this episode, you can go and and do that visualization. And that would probably bring you a little bit more motivation to continue on. I would say if you make that a pretty regular practice, so you can do that. But then also let's take the bigger step of seeing if there's something else going on, maybe from your past or maybe from your current situation that's keeping you stuck mentally that's providing a block to you from being truly happy and healthy so long answer like I said I feel like it's such a shallow answer to such a deeper situation but we'll get into it more in a few weeks don't worry all right. Let's move on. What types of supplements do you take to help while in ketosis? What are your ways of getting high fat? Oh, there's a lot of questions in one. Supplements I take, please go back to episode 18 and download the supplement guide for the Keto for Women show and that will show you all the supplements I recommend. What are your ways of getting high fat? I talk about that a lot in the beginning too, so I would go back and listen to some of those beginning episodes. I will always say the easiest ways for me to get higher fat that I think everybody should be doing more is to add more sauces, mayos, dressings, things like that to your food. So use your meat and use your vegetables as a vehicle for fat and a lot of sauces and dressings and mayos and aiolis and all that stuff. It's all fat. So just really get creative with those and you'll have no problem and your food will taste really good. Easy answer to that. Trying to figure out if keto is a good fit with my life. She has hypothyroid. Yes, it will. If you do keto the correct way for a female body, it will be very good for your hypothyroid. What are your thoughts on drinks that people use to put them into ketosis? I've talked about exogenous ketone supplements quite a bit in the past too. I personally am not someone that recommends them. And I'm just going to say that's just a super short answer to something that's very long, but you can go back and listen to episodes in the past and you'll get my answer in more detail. Moving on. Really love your podcast. It's helped me a a lot. The way you explain quite complex matters makes them easy to understand. Oh, thank you. I have a keto and blood glucose meter. When should I take readings and what ranges should I be looking at from a therapeutic perspective for epilepsy, which has been successfully controlled over 15 years? A neurologist can't explain why I have it as there are no epileptic patterns on my EEG. I've been keto since February and it feels very soothing in my brain. Oh, that's so good to know. So I have talked about testing for both in the past. I would say for you, the additional thing I would say, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert in epilepsy or ketone readings needed for epilepsy, but I would say if you're looking for a more therapeutic approach, I would say you would want to be in that upper end of the nutritional ketosis range. So I would say maybe anywhere from 2.0 to 3.0, perhaps. But and maybe slightly over but i don't ne- even necessarily think you need to go higher than that to get that therapeutic range for something that you have controlled so i think that you're already probably doing just fine but you could try to go to that upper range and see how you feel see if you notice any more improvements but don't really worry about it necessarily much from there unless you know you start noticing more symptoms or or start having seizures or anything like that. But since it is controlled, it seems like you're going to be just fine. Can you talk about the Dawn effect? Higher fasting glucose when eating keto with a good HbA1c, but higher fasting glucose. What causes this? Should I be worried? No, you should not be worried. I've talked about the Dawn effect in the past, but I will mention it quickly here. But you can go back and listen to that if you want a longer answer. But basically what the quote-unquote dawn effect is it's just in the morning. I feel like a lot of you notice this. You test your, your fasting blood sugar in the morning. It's higher really than it is at any point throughout the rest of the day, whether it's after eating or just whatever. Your highest blood sugar comes in the morning. That is very common in a ketogenic person because basically no matter what, there are systems and processes in our bodies that require glucose. And so that's when your body essentially is kind of preparing for the day and making that glucose. It's happening overnight for those purposes. So it's releasing the glucose into the bloodstream to go to these places that do need that extra glucose, regardless of whether you're eating it or not, your liver will produce it that's why you notice that in the morning and then the rest of the day, you're totally fine. So nothing to worry about at all. Like I always say... And I think it's really important to remember, don't only test your fasting blood sugar and determine whether you have blood sugar issues based on that number, especially if you're in ketosis. So this is where you always should be testing one hour after a meal and two hours after a meal if you truly want to know your blood sugar and something you can do on your own. But you should also be going to your doctor and getting your HbA1c tested, which is kind of a three-month average of what your blood sugar is doing. That's way more indicative of how your blood sugar is responding throughout the day. And also always good to get a fasting insulin, which is much harder to get from the doctor, but really, really tells a lot about how your blood sugar is doing. So quick answer to that. I started the year with a Whole30 reset and shifted to a paleo way of eating after. I've eliminated all sweeteners and gluten from my diet and only eat a small amount of dairy, maybe one serving a week. I have been keto for about a month. I had my annual physical and my C-reactive protein lab value is still elevated. How can I figure out what might be causing the inflammation? Let's see. You shifted earlier this year to Whole30. You know, it still seems like even just your past life prior to the Whole30 and paleo, and now keto could still be affecting that inflammatory response and causing that elevated C-reactive protein. So I would give it a little bit more time before you start really diving into what could be causing inflammation in your body because you have only been keto for about a month too. So like if you take out maybe a transition time too, you may actually have not been producing ketones for that long, which are really going to do great things for that CRP number. So just maybe give it more time. I would say go back and get that value tested in, say, another three to six months and see how that has changed. By then, you will have been kind of whole 30 paleo for a year-ish, I would say, it sounds like, and that would be a better length of time to see the results you're looking for as far as inflammation. So if all of that has happened and you've been keto for that period of time too, and still not seeing your inflammatory response come down, then it would be time to maybe start digging deeper. This is where I would recommend doing a GI panel. So looking at your gut health, maybe doing a food sensitivity panel and seeing if you are sensitive to some foods that you're still eating, which is highly possible. I mean, it could even be that a little bit of dairy once a week that might be keeping that elevated. So really good to get that looked at. You can, especially if it's Significantly elevated, you can ask your doctor to get more advanced blood testing done with some inflammatory levels and even some like immune system markers and things like that, too, to help determine potentially where that inflammatory response is coming from as well. So there are more steps to take, there's more digging to do, and it's all about testing. It's all about getting into some of that functional lab testing, perhaps maybe getting some more testing from your doctor. But if it's to the point where it's not coming down after doing everything that you're doing with your diet and and taking that time that's necessary. You may want to see some sort of functional medicine practitioner to look into that for you. Next one. I recently went in for blood work around my one-year ketoversary. All things good except I have low progesterone. I'm 40. No other known ailments and no birth control. Tested, fasted on day 21 of my cycle. I chart so I know that to be true. I see a naturopath and she put me on 100 milligrams of progesterone on days 15 through 28 of my cycle. Are there side effects I should worry about when taking bioidentical progesterone? It totally depends on you and your body and how low your progesterone was and what you're being put on and how your body responds to that. So, you know, it's a really hard question for me to answer. The only thing that I will say about that particular situation is make sure that your naturopath is retesting your progesterone levels frequently because one thing that can happen is you can kind of overdose on Any sort of bioidentical hormone, and I see that quite often, and then your values go off the chart, it's in the other direction, and you may start noticing some wonky symptoms as far as your cycle and your period and, you know, just really seeing some changes in how you feel overall. One of the most common things would be like lower Energy levels. So kind of a lack of energy or excitement or whatever. You just kind of want to take a nap <laughs> all day, that kind of thing. That might be one symptom, but it won't happen and it shouldn't happen. It should never get to the point where you're even experiencing anything if you are testing as frequently as you need to be testing, which is, I'd say once every three months, test those values and make sure you're not causing more harm than good by getting your values out of whack on the other end. That's why. For me, I've said this multiple times in the past, I'm not a huge proponent of bioidentical hormones. Because you still have to fix the problem. And you're not fixing the problem by going on to hormones. You're putting a Band-Aid on the problem as to why you have imbalanced hormones in the first place. So it's a really tough one for me because it's not something I even recommend in the first place. While you're doing all of this with your naturopath, I would still highly encourage you to figure out what's going on to cause that lowered progesterone because there is a reason. It's not just like that because it wants to be like that. So keep that in mind. All right, moving right along, I just got a staph infection in my middle toe. I had to take a round of antibiotics. I believe this is what they're really for, not colds. But now what? My gut is going to be all messed up. How do I keep from getting candida or something else bad? The easiest and best thing to do, because there's always going to be times where At some point, we need to take antibiotics. Yes, they are not good for our gut health. They kill off those good gut bacteria just as much as they're killing off the bad bacteria. They kind of almost to some degree make us start from scratch in some ways, but no need to fear. And you know what? We're all going to have to at some point. Well, I won't say always, but at some points, there is a need for antibiotics and there is a reason why we have them. And they are very helpful for some cases. So, While you're taking antibiotics, I really think it's a good idea to be on some really great probiotics at the same time. You can go to that supplement guide I just mentioned earlier on episode 18. I believe in there I have the probiotic I recommend. If not, I will take some time in the next episode to tell you, or maybe even create another PDF about probiotics because there's a few I recommend. But make sure you're taking a really good, high quality, potent, well-formulated, well-documented probiotic while you're taking the antibiotic and then beyond as well. So really, uh, I think there's very few people on this planet that don't need to take a probiotic all the time at this point. It's just the way our world is working these days. So we have a lot of things that are fighting and winning with our gut bacteria. So we just really need to supplement with that on the regular. You can take that. You should also be eating some really good high-quality raw fermented veggies. You can make them yourself or you can find those in any grocery store at this point. They are the ones that are, are in some sort of sealed container and they are in the refrigerated section. So they aren't going to be like canned on the shelf, sauerkraut. That's not what I'm talking about. We want to make sure we're getting that raw fermented vegetable that will contain those good gut bacteria. So you should be eating that while you are on antibiotics and afterwards. And really, again, I think that most people should be making that a regular part of their day as well. Maybe not like every day, but definitely a couple times a week. The cool thing about fermented veggies is you really only need a few bites to make a really big impact on your gut health. So If you don't love it, but maybe you could sneak it into a salad or something like that, I think it would be really great and just have a bite or two and you'll still be doing some great things. I really like it on salads and I'm talking like sauerkraut or kimchi or, you know, there's all kinds of other fermented veggies at this point, like beets and carrots and whatever. And they're really great. They're a little vinegary tasting. So I just use them almost as a replacement for vinegar on my salads and it kind of makes a little salad dressing type flavor. It's so easy. If you can find a really good low sugar kombucha, you can have some kombucha and that will help with kind of repopulating your good gut bacteria. So again, not something you need a huge amount of. You can have a couple sips every day and it will be great to rebuild that up. So you know just take really good care of your gut. Of course, bone broth, get some oso oh good bone broth and be drinking that a couple times a week too. That will kind of restore your gut health and just really kind of soothe it almost as well too and you should be good to go. But really you just want to focus on really getting all the good gut bacteria you can during treatment with the antibiotics and after, and then really just making it a habit from there on. And then if you do have to have have antibiotics again, then you will be prepared. Your gut will be prepared. You'll already be in the habit and it won't be nearly as big of a deal. I started the keto way of eating on Easter. I'm sure I've been in ketosis since week two. She used pea strips for a week. Then I got a keto mojo and it proved to me that I am in ketosis. But I don't feel fat adapted. I don't feel invincible or like I have a lot of energy. I try to eat when I can, but due to work, I sometimes don't have the luxury to eat. I spend most of my time driving in labs and doctor's clinics. I know I shouldn't go long periods without food, but I can't stuff my face in front of patients or during procedures. I always take a huge salad and leave it in my car, but sometimes I can't eat as it is difficult to drive and eat salad and not get any on my clothes. What do you suggest I do? How can I get from ketosis to fully fat adapted? Well, first I want to say that if you're producing ketones and you have been since Easter, I don't think it's that you're not fat adapted. I think it's that you have something else going on that's keeping you from feeling like you're fat adapted. So your body is probably using fat as fuel, but you're probably still just like your adrenals are shot from something, maybe your thyroid's low, maybe your hormones are out of balance, probably all three, to be totally honest. Maybe you have gut health issues. Maybe you're eating a food that you're sensitive to and it's causing a crash on your body. All the things that we talk about here on Keto for Women all the time, that's what's happening to you. So you're thinking that, and this is hugely common, it's not just you, you're thinking that keto is going to save you from feeling like crap. But it's not happening because keto can't fix all of that that quickly if you're not taking other steps as well. So this is where I'm always saying it can't just do keto. You've got to figure out these other things. And if this is a huge learning experience for you because you've been keto now since April, I think is when Easter is. So for a few months, for sure, solidly in ketosis and not feeling like a superpower, then more needs to be explored. So now you need to start looking into why you still feel that lack of energy. It does sound like you have a pretty demanding job and being in the car and being all around. So that could be really taking a toll on your adrenals. It could be something totally different. It's probably a combination of a lot of different stressors in your life, but it sounds to me like you're dealing with definitely a lowered cortisol response. So the one thing that I will say that I do know about you because of this little story you gave is that if that's the case, then you going long times without food is not going to help the situation at all. It's going to keep your cortisol low. It's going to keep your adrenals from being able to be kind of rejuvenated, which is what we want them to be at this point. So you start feeling better and you're basically keeping that from happening by going long periods of time without eating. So I mean, yeah, salad is great, but there's many other foods that you can eat in the car that are easily just as nutritious, if not more, and don't take like three hands to eat. I don't even eat salad without getting it on myself when I'm sitting in, at my counter. So, you know, really, you've got to think outside the box a little bit or a lot of bit and find some other food choices that you can travel with and easily eat in the car. And there are plenty. I used to be a trainer, a personal trainer that went from client's house to client's house to client's house. And I spent all day in the car and I ate all the time. So it definitely is possible. you know, Even if it's like some fat bombs or something you can just pop in your mouth, something really, really easy. It doesn't have to be this huge, like, well-thought-out, well-planned, veggie-packed meal, but you've got to get something. And then you can work on getting your vegetables at breakfast and at dinner and make those really nice, well-balanced, nutrient-dense meals be when you're home, but still get those snacks in or, or at least one big lunch or something in when you're on the road working. So that's what I will say to that. Is it safe to go in and out of ketosis? Everything I read tells me differently. Some say to do it with cycles. Some say to do weekly carb ups. I only want to feel good. Weight loss is not my goal. Also, does it depend on if you are very deep into ketosis or just small amounts? This is all totally based on you, which this is the cool thing. And I think this is where some people be like, oh, she's telling us to just like do what we want again. But this is the cool thing because She says right here, everything I read tells me differently. Well, then stop reading it and start listening to yourself. Just stop listening to other people telling you to do something for your body when they don't know your body. This is the perfect example of why I want you all to start taking charge of your own intuition and your own health and your own happiness. So if it feels good for you because you say all you want is to feel good cool. I hope all of you, I hope you all say that. I hope all of us want to feel good, right? So what makes you feel good? Do you feel good when you have weekly carb ups? Do you feel good when you have a carb cycle and you spend all weekend out of ketosis? Do you feel good or bad? That's all any of us should care about. If you don't feel good when you eat carbs, don't eat them. You know, I mean, of course, there's going to be carbs in our daily lives and our vegetables and our nuts and seeds and things like that. So yes, we're getting carbs. But if truly eating a pretty carb-dense source of food, if you eat that and then afterwards maybe you feel like a zombie or you have a headache or you don't sleep well that night or you lack your motivation to go to your workout or something like that, those are all signs that you're not feeling as good as you should, right? So I think that that's pretty obvious. If you go a few weeks and you don't have a carb-rich source of food, like a real food, and you start feeling like weak in your workouts, you start not sleeping well, you start feeling moody, maybe you get more PMS than usual, like all these signs that our body's constantly giving us, if any of those start happening, then hey, maybe it's time for some carbs, And then you find that sweet spot for you. So maybe it is once a week. Maybe it's once a day. Maybe it's after your workouts only or before your workouts only. Maybe it's whenever you feel like it. Like That's kind of where I am right now, how I live my life. It's whenever I feel like it because I feel fine eating carbs and I feel fine not eating carbs. Now, I don't feel fine when I eat so many carbs and I'm out of ketosis. I can tell the second it happens. And I'm like, okay, never mind. (laughs) So you want to find that out for yourself. Don't you all want to have that knowledge that I have now? And obviously it's taken me two years to figure out. So I don't expect any of you to necessarily figure it out right at the beginning of your journey, but it is a journey and it's your journey. So you can go in and out of ketosis if you feel fine doing that. I think that that is totally... Cool. But I think that there's also a lot of opportunity to have carbs and not go out of ketosis for some of us. So it's all about just experimentation and finding your sweet spot. And then you don't have these questions of everyone's telling me differently, because that's the problem with the keto community is there's way too much information that's not talking about you and your body. It's talking about them and their body. And then everyone takes it as gospel and we all get really confused and it doesn't have to be that hard. And that's my little tangent of the day. All right, here we go. I just ordered a keto mojo because I've only been testing glucose and it's always high, like above 90. I feel great. I am more healthy than ever. I eat a ton of fat. I feel like my ketone readings will be good when the mojo arrives. But what gives? Yeah, I think if you're above 90 all the time. So once again, we're talking about blood glucose readings. So I know I've given this information before, but I'll just say it again. I think that blood sugar readings in the 90s are fine. I think blood sugar in the 80s are fine, obviously. Blood sugar in the 100s, I would say, after a meal, in two hours after a meal is fine too. So I think, again, it might be a situation where we see these people kind of touting their super low blood sugar numbers and saying that that, again, is like the only way to go. And that's not necessarily true. So if it's above 90, I don't see a problem with that. You know, yeah, I think it'd be cool to see it maybe in the 80s every once in a while, perhaps. And maybe that's something that as you continue, it will happen. So it sounds like you know, you haven't been keto for a super long time because you're just now ordering a ketone tester. So it may be that this is still a new journey for you. And maybe you do have a little bit of blood sugar issues that you will work on or that keto will help with as you've been in ketosis longer, but you're definitely not at any point where it's concerning or anything like that. So don't think that being in the 90s with your blood sugar is a bad thing. It just continue to test. I would say maybe test a few times a week, maybe at different times. Like I said, don't only test in the morning with your fasting glucose, but test a few hours after a meal, maybe a few times a week and see if it does maybe slowly get lower, like your average gets lower into the 80s eventually. But as long as it doesn't start skyrocketing into the upper 100s after a meal, that's when we're really concerned. So I usually say one hour after a meal, I'd like to see it below 130 and two hours after a meal, I'd like to see it below like 120. And that's when I am not concerned. And then, you know, fasting, I like it to be between like 80 and 90. But if it's slightly above that, especially if you're in ketosis, then I'm not worried about that because of that kind of quote unquote dawn effect thing we talked about earlier. So I don't think that you have anything to worry about. Next up. Okay. This is kind of a long one. We'll try to see if I can skim it down here a little bit. Please discuss fasting and lifting slash workouts. I know. Listen to your body. Oh, weird. Okay. So I don't have to answer this. Perfect. Just kidding. Your thoughts on working out and then not eating as you are in a fast for another six to eight hours after a workout doing a 16 to 18 hour fast. I know I have a better workout. I feel less tired when I have eaten about an hour prior, but it is easiest for me to go work out super early at a fasted state as the goal is more fat loss focus. Is it better to work out in a fasted state? I lift the same either way. I only lift weights, not just cardio, but my Fitbit be- registers cardio often. She said she's looking for more of my opinion here. Okay, I can give my opinion. Good at that. So let me answer the second question first. So she says she has a better workout when she's eaten an hour prior, but she would prefer to work out in a fasted state because she's more fat loss focused. Now here's where things are getting a little, not tricky, we're getting a little confused here because just because you're in a fasted state does not mean that you are going to burn more fat in your workout, especially if you're not having as good of a workout. So the goal is always going to be, how do I get the best workout possible? How do I lift the most amount of weight? She says she lifts weights. How do I lift the most amount of weight? So I'm building new muscle fibers, which are then going to spark my metabolism so that I'm just requiring more energy to get through the day and to get through my movement patterns and everything like that which will then require me to use fat on my body, okay? So our goal is always to get the best workout possible. If that means that you need to eat some food before you work out, then eat some food and get a really awesome workout instead of being at like 60, 70% because you're fasted and you're hungry and your body's like, wait, I need energy before this happens. That is very clear to me, a very clear answer. And you will see the results you're looking for because you're going to crush your workouts. Okay. So that's my little tip on that. So she's saying that she's fasting after the workout for another six to eight hours because she's in the middle of a fast when she works out. I would say this is, again, she asked for my opinion, so I'm giving my opinion. And this is based on the knowledge that I have as a nutritionist, the knowledge that I have as a personal trainer, and the knowledge that I have as someone who likes to lift heavy and likes to build muscle. I think that you are not doing yourself or what your goal is, which you said is fat loss, any favors by not eating after your workouts. And wait, I have even more. This is also someone that has fasted for extended periods of time. Because what I saw when I fasted, you know, I've been on several different fasting protocols. I have a lot of experience in it. I would be safe to say I did not work out on those days I did not try to build muscle on those days I will say but I did work out on the days that I wasn't fasting and I still saw muscle loss and that is not the goal of what you're trying to do if like I just said if you're trying to lose fat and increase your metabolism then fasting and working out are not a good combo. They're basically going to kind of like negate each other because it's going to be very hard for your body to repair and rebuild and build new muscle. So new muscle fiber is so hugely important to building up our metabolism. Your body's going to have a really hard time doing that in a fasted state. At that point, you need to eat protein, you need to eat maybe some carbohydrates, and you need to eat some fat. I really think having a nice balanced plate of food, I'd say an hour or two max after your workout is going to do you so much good, much more good than continuing your fast. Even if you're eating before your workout, which it says you have a better workout if you do, then you have another meal or like pretty good nutrient dense snack after your workout and then continue to eat the rest of the day, you are going to see such huge improvements in your workout intensity and your strength gains and your body composition if you do that. If you still want to fast, if that is still something that you are adamant about doing, then I would say take your rest days and fast during your rest days. That would be my suggestion of incorporating lifting and working out and trying to build muscle and increase your metabolism. That's what I would see working best. So that might be a little controversial, about what everyone wants to do and what everyone thinks they hear about fasting. So remember, that's my opinion that is based on me having done all of it (laughs) and having things happen negatively to my body and positively to my body. And I can tell you right now, I've never built strength so fast in my life. I've never built muscle so fast in my life and I am not fasting. I'm working out hard. I'm eating after my workouts. Sometimes I'm eating before my workouts. If I'm hungry, I'm eating a lot of food overall every day. I'm in ketosis. I have a little tons of energy. I'm just going to give my opinion on that. So I don't know if fasting is necessarily going to do you what you think it's going to do you. That's just my take. All right. A couple more. I've been doing keto for around a year and a half. It used to take me several days to get back into ketosis after eating something non-keto. But in the last few months, I'm back by the next day, generally. What has changed? Ooh, I like this question because it's actually like a good thing, you know? So she's been keto adapted for a long period of time now. So a year and a half, that's plenty of time for your body. Basically what happens, your body gets to this point where It is way more efficient and it knows it's way more preferred to use ketones, to be in a ketogenic state and use ketones as fuel. And so, of course, the longer you are in that place, the more your body is going to prefer that. And so if you do get out of ketosis, your body is going to go back to the most preferential, easiest route. And because it's been that period of time that that has been the case, it happens quicker. So that's the beauty of being fat adapted over a long period of time. And this is why I don't want you all to give up or to stop keto after a month or six weeks or 30 days, you know, whatever the little thing is that you are trying to do it, even three months, even six months, you just need to give it more time. And then it really gets to this place where your body really prefers that. And a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how because of my workouts, I am eating more carbohydrates and I'm staying in ketosis because it's like, I mean, I'm just going to say it and that please don't hate me for saying this. promise you can get here too after two years and tons of other health work. But it's actually like really hard for me to get out of ketosis. It's really hard for me to get bumped out of ketosis and to not be producing ketones, no matter the amount of carbs or lack of fat or whatever. So my body's preferring it. And the same thing is going for her. She's getting a place where she's super fat adapted, super keto adapted. It's very easy for her body. So yay celebrate that. Your body's loving it. I would love to hear more about number two. I have never been regular. By number two, I mean, she means poop everyone. (laughs) One of my favorite subjects. I've never been regular and I don't know what that should be for me. I've gone so many days with no bathroom action. Could that have caused waking with waste sitting in my body for days or more? How much bulk waste is normal? Is it safe and okay to take MCT if that helps move things along? What else can I do to find my regular and stay regular? Yeah, man, constipation is a huge issue for women. There's so many reasons why too. I guess I'll go over as many of them as I can think about off the top of my head on this hot seat edition. But some of the biggest ones that I see, actually, I'll say the biggest one that I see that, of course, is the hardest one to tackle, and that is emotional. Remember, your gut and your action in your gut, they are all muscular contractions. And so if you think about what happens when you're stressed or busy and at your computer and something happens, and just think about what happens to your shoulders when you're tense and you're stressed and you're at your computer, right? Like everything's tensed up. The same thing happens in your gut and it keeps that peristalsis, which is a series of muscular contractions that get us to go, it keeps that from happening. It kind of stalls that process because they're just tense all the time. So we hold a lot of emotion in our gut. We hold stress, we hold fear, we hold sadness, loneliness, things that we as women Feel a lot and strongly and deeply. We hold that in our gut, all of us. So, if you have tried, you know, all the usual things that people hear, have you tried actually trying to get in touch with your emotions and tap into your emotions and relax out of your emotions? Which, again, I I go back to meditation being a really great form of this. You may need to talk to somebody or a therapist if you think that there is something deeper going on that you need to release. I mean, I know there's so many kind of woo woo answers I'm giving today. I must be in this weird space. I started a new meditation last night. So maybe it's that, but not enough of us as women, especially are thinking about that as it relates to our gut health and as it relates to not being able to go to the bathroom. I mean, who would put those two and two together? Huge. When I see people really take the time to do that and get into that really place of stress and emotional management suddenly they start going every day. It's crazy. You know, some of the easier things to tackle, although I really think y'all should look at that, but some of the other things, make sure your electrolytes are balanced. A lot of times most women are deficient in magnesium. And so a lot of times it's just simply taking more magnesium or using more salt in your water, especially if you are trying to get into ketosis or you're in a deep state of ketosis, you may need to balance out your water and sodium balance in your body. So, So drink some water, drink some water, salt, and then kind of go back and forth throughout the day. Good, high-quality Himalayan pink sea salt or Celtic gray sea salt, something like that. The more color your salt has, the better. Just think of it that way. And that will help you get some of those trace minerals. You know, we talk about other electrolytes and all that balance that needs to happen if you're not currently taking electrolytes then take those, supplement with those as well. You can get the ones that I recommend on that supplement PDF that I just have already talked about like a 100 times on this episode. It's a really good one. I would just, you get a lot of your questions answered if you just go to that supplement PDF, everybody. Episode 18. Also making sure you're getting the right amount of fiber in your diet. So it could be that you're not getting enough and it could also be that you're getting too much. There's definitely a sweet spot when it comes to fiber. And I'm talking about kind of that insoluble fiber that we get from eating vegetables mainly. So making sure you're getting your leafy greens in, even some more cruciferous vegetables. You can even have some like carrots and beets and things that typically a lot of keto people say not to eat, but I say eat them especially if it's going to help you poop. It's really important. Also, ooh, here's a big one. So we talked about the electrolytes and all that being balanced, but it could also be as simple as you being dehydrated. So, I mean, I cannot tell you how often I see this and even more so in the keto community because we drink a lot of coffee here in this keto community for some reason. I don't know why it's different than other health and wellness communities, but it is. So we need to drink Enough water and by enough, the very general range is half your body weight in ounces of water. So if you weigh 150 pounds, then that's 75 ounces. That's just like bottom baseline. If you exercise and work out and you sweat, you need more. Or if you live in a dry climate or you live in a hot climate, you need more. Also, if you drink coffee, or caffeinated tea, then those are diuretics and that takes away from that. So you have to subtract that amount. So if you are supposed to drink 75 ounces, but you drink 16 ounces of coffee every day, which is like two cups, then you need to subtract that 16 from the 75. So then you need to add in 16 ounces more water to make up for that coffee Okay. So that's now we're at like 91 ounces of water. If I did math very quickly in my head correctly, which very well could not be correct, but you get the idea. So keep that in mind to make sure that you are hydrated. If you are not hydrated, that will be the first thing to go is you pooping regularly for sure. That and headaches. I see it all the time. So she also wants to know if that could be the reason for weight gain. Of course. Yeah. If you have Waste sitting in your colon for an extended period of time and just taking up that space, then yeah, that's going to come off as weight gain, which is why I do not recommend using the scale. That's insane because you're not stepping on the scale and seeing fat gain. When you see a different number, you're seeing everything else that your body has gone through from the past day. If you gain a pound, it's not fat. (laughs) that's almost impossible to do unless, I mean, I can't even tell you how, what you would have to do to gain a pound of actual fat in one day. It's other stuff. That's why I just don't even bother stepping on the scale, right? Focus on being regular. Remember being regular means having a bowel movement one to three times per day. It's considered regular. She wants to know if taking MCT can help. Yeah. If you need to take MCT to go to the bathroom, that's okay. You can do that, but just be also looking at that other stuff. So, of course, it's very similar, like I've said before, to putting a band aid on something. So, there is a reason why you're constipated. MCT oil is going to help that so that you can at least go so that you can get rid of that waste that needs to come out because that's important to do to keep your body in that space, but then also still be on the lookout for why that could be happening. As well. So you can do what you need to do, but keep digging. As always, it's like my mantra around here just keep digging. Okay, we're stopping there. We made it through a lot today. Thank you all so much for your questions. So, like I said, this is the last time with these questions. I will be asking for new questions in probably, if you're listening to this, somewhat close to when it airs in about a week. So be on the lookout for those next week on my Instagram at Sean Minor and Facebook at Sean Miner Health. Make sure you are following me at both of those places. Make sure you're watching the stories because I know you don't always see everything on the feeds that everyone posts. And I'll be able to let you know there if you have a question. Remember, we are looking for questions that have not yet been answered in past episodes of the Keto Hot Seat. Remember to keep them general and to keep them short and sweet, and you will get on the show, I promise. All right, until then, have a good week, everyone, and take care.